the FT. I took a drive around several of the polling stations in the centre and north of Kabul Saturday during the vote. Uh, and it must be said that in a lot of the stations, there were more agents and observers than there were actual voters. In a few places, there, there was a sort of trickle of people, but there was a widespread sense among the people there that there, there was just a lack of faith in the electoral process that, that was keeping people at home. In some ways, it was surprising to see anyone coming out for the elections at all. There, there'd been a lot of talk that there might be attacks by insurgents in the on polling day, but you know, e even then it was possible to find uh, particularly some young voters uh, who seemed quite enthusiastic at the idea of voting for candidates. Actually, uh, like as, last time I, I haven't voted for no one. This year I decide to vote because uh, Afghanistan needs to rebuild. Afghanistan needs peace. Afghanistan needs to improve. What's striking is that there are... Uh, a surprisingly large number of Afghans who are willing to, to take on the risk and expense of running, who do actually believe that the parliament can play a role in reforming the country. But they feel incredibly angry with the international community who they feel deals with the old hierarchy of power brokers and former warlords who've dominated the country for the past 30 years. And they, they think that even, even in an election such as this, it's very difficult for them to get their voice heard and engage with the internationals who, who are very much more focused on relating to the existing order than they are looking for, for new voices. For example, Saeed Sharif Hashemi, a candidate in Kabul, had this to say. What Afghanistan people want from the international community to support educated people in this country. At least they haven't done anything wrong. Those people, those warlords, those who destroyed Afghanistan people's life in three decades, how they can trust them? They can change easily, and people understand if a British government or U.S. government wants to bring change in this country, they can do it, but they don't know who to talk to, how to go. There are many people who can support them, help them. There are lots of people against those uh, terrorists in this country, but they don't have any connection to the outsider to give them opportunity. Obviously in Kabul, where there's more educated people, more people who have a chance to engage in the process. It, it's, it's perhaps understandable that one might find more people who are more enthusiastic about the, the idea of the elections. And of course, the picture uh, was not the same as that in most of the country. In, in many ways, there's a sense of deja vu uh, from the presidential elections when reports of ballot stuffing uh, began to filter in from the provinces in the, the 24 or 48 hours after the vote. And that those kinds of accounts are very much the, 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 the dominant narrative that we're getting uh, of the overall picture of the polls. Perhaps the most striking thing I saw on, on Saturday was the spectacle of uh, Afghan police bundling four women clad in, in uh, sky blue burqas into the back of a patrol car. They were protesting vociferously, uh, saying that they'd prefer to die than, than be arrested. But the policemen were adamant, accusing them of trying to vote twice using fake voting cards. Uh, and there was uh, not quite an altercation, but a lot of, a lot of shouting and, and, and shoving. And finally, the women submitted and, and were driven away uh, in, in this pickup truck. Um, so, which excited quite a lot of uh, interest from some of the onlookers at the, at the polling station. Um, those sorts of events were happening in lots of places in the country. But, but having said that, 
voting did still continue as usual, and, and other people came along and, and, and voted um, in, in a very orderly manner. We're still waiting for the results, and, and it will indeed take weeks, uh, even months, uh, for the final results to be declared. Uh, already hundreds of complaints are being filed by candidates at, at the various offices of the Electoral Complaints Commission around Afghanistan. Uh, it's going to take a long time for those to be processed, uh, and it will leave open the possibility of protracted disputes. Uh, so it's possible that it'll take a, a very long time indeed for the process to be resolved uh, and, and for us to get a, a sense of how credible these polls were and whether they're capable of gaining any real traction in the eyes of Afghanistan's people. The only sign really of the election now is, is the hundreds of uh, thousands of campaign posters that are plastered all over Kabul on roundabouts and intersections, on shops and offices. Other than that, business has very much gone back to usual. The tight security that we saw on election day has, has now melted away. Uh, and, and in many senses, Afghanistan is already moving on. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.